thank you for listening to our podcast. We pray that the word that you hear on this program will encourage, strengthen, and motivate you to do the will of God. Be blessed by today's message. All right, so earlier this week, I woke up with such an urgency in my spirit to just, I just heard the Lord speaking to me that at this time, that if we go through this and we come out more physically fat, but spiritually anorexic, that we will be held accountable for this. And when I heard the Lord speak to me that, um, uh, it shook me and I've been reading in the book of Jonah. And before I get to that, the, the last part of Jonah talks about a number of people. It was 120,000 people that the, um, the Lord gave a message to Jonah to, uh, to give a warning to these people because judgment was coming upon these people. And before, um, before I get to that today, I was watching on the news and how president Trump said that, uh, they are projected through different graphs from other countries, comparing it with America that, um, from a hundred to over 200,000 people are going to die in America within the next couple of months. And just thinking about that, um, it's very alarming. And I know that the Lord is, is screaming for us the same way that he was screaming to Jonah for us as, as his people to take the word of God that we have inside of us, that he has already spoken to us and give a warning to his people. It's definitely a, a biblical thing. The statement's always made that history repeats itself. There's nothing new under the sun as well. So we can always go back to the Bible, even if it is in the Old Testament, and find places in the Bible that we can relate to in the times that we're living in today. And the book of Jonah is definitely a part of what we're seeing today as far as the the calling that was upon Jonah's life to bring a message of repentance to a group of people that God was going to send judgment on. And what Jonah did with what God gave him is what either brought deliverance to the country or allow destruction and that's a heavy weight upon the prophet because they are responsible to do what God has called them to do and we know that in the beginning God gave man dominion on the earth and that God declared that he can't do anything and he won't do anything on the earth without the approval or without using mankind specifically those who acknowledge him and so this chapter proves and validates that statement that before God would bring judgment to the people of Nineveh 
he gave them a chance to repent and he allowed Jonah to be the one that he was going to use to bring his word. And the word was to repent just as John the Baptist was preaching to the people before Jesus came, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come. And this was very similar, a message that God gave Jonah to tell the people to repent because judgment was coming. See, in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. Verse 3 says, But Jonah got up and went into the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I looked up um, a little bit about this, and I seen that Joppa, the Bible says, is the, is the place where the boat was that he got on. So I don't know where he actually was, how far of a distance he was when the Lord spoke to him, but we know that because the Lord doesn't give us that direct that, that specific place, but we do know that Joppa was the city that he he got on the boat. He boarded the boat, and Joppa to Tarshish was twenty five hundred miles, and Joppa to Nineveh was only five hundred miles. So, first of all, the Lord spoke something to him that distance wasn't distance wasn't an issue. He, he, he knew enough about, he knew he, maybe this was something where he had to have already known. Um, even the Bible says that, um, that uh, in, in, in my words, that a man in his own town, in his own city, his people won't accept him, his word, the way that someone, say when you have a revival or something in your church and someone comes in uh, from out of town, and the word that they bring to the church and you're, you're the minister and you're thinking this is a great word, but I've been preaching this word my whole life. Why the people, they received it from someone else, but they never received it from me. Maybe I'm sure that, that Jonah knew these people. He may have knew even some of them personally, knowing that the, he, he did not want to give this word to them because he knew that these people, he, he didn't care enough about them. He knew the, he, there was had to be something that he already knew about this, this this set of people that that he did not want to go there. So instead of the 500 miles, he got on a boat heading 2,500 miles away. And I looked up Tarshish. Tarshish, the only thing I can come up with of a description of what what was so about Tarshish that he went there. But even at that time, Tarshish was a place that was full of gold and silver mines. And when you think about that when the Lord speaks to us to do something, it's not always pretty. We always, it's hard for us not to look at what's shiny and go towards that direction of what we know is easy, what we know looks good, what, what sounds good. But when the Lord speaks to us, it's not always going to be the pretty thing. But when we, as, as men and women of God, we know the voice of God. And if, if we know his voice and we know when he speaks to us, no one has to tell us that, that 
that we're out of the will of God when we know his voice. But it's always easier to go what's shiny. We to go to like Tarshish, a place that was full of gold and silver. And that's where the Lord spoke. And if you, if you go down it further, we know the story. As they got on this boat, there was a storm that came in verse four. It says, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. Now, I'm going to stop there for a second. He was sound asleep because, I, I, you know, me reading this just now just comes to, comes to my mind the same way that when Jesus was on the boat and the storm came and everyone is, is in frantic mode and they say, why is Jesus down there sleeping? Why, why is he not afraid? I believe that the same way that that Jesus wasn't afraid because he he knew what was going on. He is the peace. And Jonah knew the same way the Lord spoke to him before he got on the boat. He knew that the Lord was behind this. And I believe that in by him by by him being on that boat sleeping when all this was going on, he knew what was going on. And he probably wasn't afraid. He just knew that God was going to, God was, was chasing after him to get his attention. And it says that um, everyone else was, was afraid. Um, they all began to shout and say, cry out to your gods for help. They threw all their cargo off the ship to lighten it. But he was asleep. And verse six says, so the captain went down to him and said, how can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. We know, we know the story. So then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended their gods and caused this terrible storm, which means they drew sticks. They, this was the way of, that, that they used to figure out. They was trying to get to the bottom of what, who, who is the reason, why is the reason, or who is causing this. We knew, they knew that someone on that boat was the reason why this was happening. It was a spiritual thing. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Verse 8 says, Why has this awful storm came down on us? They demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Verse 10 says, The sailors were terrified when they heard this, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? There's a reason why I'm reading this whole entire story is because when the Lord speaks to us to do something, sometimes we don't act like it's a big deal when we're running away from it because we feel like, oh, God's going to use someone else. God's going to take care of it. God, 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 God will use someone else. Uh, we do know that um, the Lord will, if he has to use a donkey, he will use a donkey, but um, he's not going to let us get away with it that easy. When we know that we are children of God, we are men and women of God. And we say, God, I, I, I'm trusting in you. 
I give you a hundred percent of me. When, when you give, when you surrender your heart to him, you are telling him you have my all. So the Lord was expecting Jonah's all. And yes, he could have used someone else, but there's a reason why he was persistent in getting Jonah's attention. He was persistent in screaming and crying out to him. I want to go one further. We know what happens. They threw him off of the boat. A big fish, a big whale comes to swallow him, and he's in there for three days. It says in verse 17, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And it was then, then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I sank to the bottom roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. And the Bible says, and the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah on the beach. But this, that whole story that we know that I've read, we know that story frontward back. We know that every bit of that story. But in chapter three, it talks about, it says the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. And basically he tells him the same thing that he told him in the beginning. He said, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message that I've given you. The Bible says then Jonah, he got up, he went to the city, and he, when he entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh, will you will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Then the king and his nobles sent a decree throughout the city, no one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals all alike must wear garments of mourning. What happened was they took heed to the word of God. They took heed and they said, we have to get God's attention and do whatever we got to do to, to tell God we're sorry to stop this destruction from happening to us. And verse 10 of chapter 3 says, When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. Now, Isaac, go to, go to chapter 4 and, um, and read that. And go ahead. Verse 1 in the New Living Translation, it says, This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. 
And then he said, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. <clears throat> and then just in paraphrasing, as Jonah had told the people where he lived that he had a word for Nineveh and that God was going to destroy them if they didn't repent. So Jonah left the people assuming that God was going to destroy them. It's sort of like he, he rallied up a bunch of people to tell them what he believed God should do, but all the time knowing in his heart that God was a merciful God. So he actually, he actually polluted the people that he left at home. He, he told them, he left them with a the message that God was a judgmental God, but he didn't, he didn't, tell them what, what his heart was feeling, that God was also long-suffering. And I find it weird that the whole book of Jonah is about a man who was told to go to a country full of wicked people and repent. And they repented, and all in all, the true wickedness was found in Jonah. The Bible says in Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And in chapter 1, verse 2, when it says, Arise, God told Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. When I read that, I was reminded of a very similar passage in the book of Exodus chapter 3 when the Spirit of the Lord was speaking to Moses <clears throat> out of a bush that wasn't burning but on fire. Verse 7 says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land into a good land and a large land flowing with milk and honey. So you got a group of people in, in Exodus who were under bondage that really didn't have a, a true understanding of how God and who God is. But their cry rose up to heaven because of bondage and the wickedness from the people and Nineveh rose up to God. And at the same time, in spite of the fact that mercy was coming to the children of Israel through Moses, judgment was coming to the people of Nineveh through Jonah. But at the same time, we see that there was a connection of long suffering. Moses, through God, showed to the Israelites that God was long suffering in spite of their murmuring and complaining. God continuously showed long suffering to them. And in the case of the Ninevites or the people of Nineveh, God was long suffering to them. And in spite of the fact that judgment was coming, God didn't just destroy the country. He sent the prophet who was not perfect, who was very carnal which gives a lot of leeway for people like us who aren't perfect, that God still uses and God works on us as we 
are used to help people. And because God is long suffering, Jonah, God still did what he wanted to do through Jonah. But unfortunately, Jonah did not allow God to do what he could have done in him. And so it's so odd and it's unfortunate that we see a group of wicked people and not one time does God refer to Jonah as wicked. In fact, God chose to use him as a vessel of honor. But God refers to the people of Nineveh in verse 2 of chapter 1. Their wickedness has come up before me. So these people were so wicked that God was sending judgment. No different than the people in Noah's day. Their wickedness was so great. And you say, well, God destroyed them with the flood. But there were many, many years of them watching that Moses watching Noah build that ark and Noah preaching to the people and they chose not to repent. So this, this, this is, it all goes back to this here. Um, we aren't responsible for how people receive the word that we give them from God. We are responsible to relay what God has given us, what we know and un- believe and understand to be the word of the Lord for this time and day. We are responsible to give it without any um, hidden assumptions, without any uh, pretense. We're not supposed to add our opinion to thus saith the Lord. We give what he gives us, whether we like it or not. We have to tell the truth and we let the word of God do the work. We're just messengers and we're not to let our intentions and our our personalities and our opinions get in the way because God will still have his way and still do what he wants to do. But uh, the problem falls back on us if we don't fully obey. But the point is God is long suffering. In chapter five, when all this was after Jonah had done told the Lord this is the reason why, or I'm sorry, Jonah chapter four, this is the reason why I didn't want to go to Nineveh in the first place is because I knew that you were not going, I knew that you were going to forgive these people and I didn't want it. I knew that your mercy was great. I knew your grace was so strong and I didn't want to see these people that I knew that they, they deserved, uh, they deserved the judgment that was getting ready to come upon these people. And for that reason, that's why I didn't go. That's why I went 2,500 miles. I was heading out of the way. But in chapter four, it says, then Jonah went out of the east in verse five, east side of the city and made shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, this eased his comfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. Now listen, because there's a, there's a point behind all this. It's really good. Verse 7 says, but God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. 
Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. And verse 9 says, Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. But verse 10 says, Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But verse 11 says, But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? This is what the Lord spoke to Jonah. The Lord spoke to Jonah and said, You are more worried about the, the, the worm eating the tree that was covering over you. You're more worried about yourself and keeping yourself comfort and your own protection. And the Lord says, but Nineveh has over 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness. This number just popped out at me today when I was watching our president give this prediction that between 100 and 200,000 people are going to die within the next couple of months because of this coronavirus. Do I believe it's going to happen? No, because I'm believing that the hand of God is going to, to reach in and he's going to perform a great miracle. And I don't believe I'm, I'm, I'm believing that that's not going to happen. That, that many people are not, are not going to die. But when I see 120,000 people that the Lord knew that they were living in sin and judgment was upon them. You see, when we, we think about the judgment of God, sometimes we think, Oh, God is, God is a judge. And, and if you, if, if we don't understand the love of God and, and how the Bible says that he is a good judge, if, if I kill someone when I'm younger and now 30 years goes down the road and the truth comes out, there was evidence that proved that I was the one that killed someone. I stand before a judge and the judge says, do you have anything that you want to say? And I say, yes, uh, I want, I want to say that, um, that I, um, I did this, but I'm not the same person. I'm a great person. I hold, I'll hold the door for someone coming in open the door for them. I'd give someone the shirt off my back. I'm a nice person. I'm, I would never do that. You can ask my wife. You can ask me. I would never do that. That, that, that was something. I, I'm not that same person. I, that, I'm not. If he is a good judge, is, is he going to, to punish me because of the person that I am now or because of the person that I was because of the, the wrong that I did? If the if the judge is a good judge, then um, it doesn't matter what I say; it doesn't change that I did the crime. But the difference is, I'm not saying I killed someone, but what I'm saying is that Jesus, the Bible said, the Bible says that God is a good judge. If we sin, if we do things that goes against the Word of God, yes, we know what the grace of God is, and we know how the grace of God is is it covers, but we have to understand also that we will be held accountable for all the wrong that we do. We will be held accountable because God is a good judge. 
And when these people that uh, uh, these people of Nineveh, 120,000 people, they're living in spiritual darkness. And the Lord said, they are heading to hell, but I am sending you. I need you to go tell these people to change because the only way for them not to die is a form of repentance. And the same way that these people that are in the world, if it's projected for up to 200,000 people to die, who are we to not live, live out Jesus that's inside of us? And everyone that we come in contact with, because we don't know who we don't know. It, it, we think it's going to be older people because of what the coronavirus, they say, well, it's horrible and older people. We have no clue. And the Lord, the Lord has put word inside of us. I know people right now that are so full of the word of God, that are so full of, of the knowledge of God, yet they're holding it in. Why? 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 If Do you know that a pond, if it has an inlet and it doesn't have an outlet, it doesn't matter how much water, it doesn't matter you think, oh man, it's going to be there's so much water that's going to be in this pond. Now I'm going to host. I want to have so much fish. No, fish is not going to be able to live if it doesn't have an outlet. That water is going to become stagnant because it's just filling up and filling up and filling up. If you have the word of God inside of you and you think that, oh, I'm just a good Christian. I know I'm. I'm I just. I'm just going to keep what I got. It's going to be enough to get me to heaven, and and I'm going to be happy. No. The word of God that's inside of you, you have to share the word of God. The Lord didn't put that in you just for you. You, When you read your Bible and you, you listen to Christian music, you worship the Lord, you are filling yourself up with the spirit of the Lord. But if you don't share the spirit of God with someone else, if you don't make an outlet for what is inside of you, then... You're really no different than than Jonah, because Jonah heard the voice of God. Jonah knew the voice of God. And there's times he obeyed the voice of God. But in the midst of it all, the reason why the Lord was speaking to Jonah is because he knew that Jonah was able. And if you have the word of God inside of you and it's burning inside of you like it's been inside of me this week, I called my brother Isaac and I said, we're li we're in a time where we don't even have church right now. We all of the things that we normally do together to minister, we, we don't have. And yes, we're reading our Bible, we're praying, but we have to make an outlet. And that's why we're even here today doing what we're doing. We have to make an outlet. And the Lord is telling us that we are living in the last days. What we see going on right now, it is signs of the end time. An unbeliever would believe it. A, a person that for years would say, I don't believe that that's a bunch of hogwash. The word of God, with, with the word of God speaks, it's coming alive right before our eyes. Don't be deceived. You have the word of God in you for a reason. It's not just for you to get saved. But the same way here, how God spoke to Jonah and told Jonah to go warn my people because they are heading for destruction. They're heading for hell. If you, I'll end with this. If you see a blind person walking up to an intersection of ongoing traffic and that person is not stopping. 
are you going to go up, run as fast as you can, and stop that person and tell them and warn them and say you are walking into ongoing traffic? Or are you going to sit back and watch them walk in the traffic and get killed? I heard one man say, if you had an opportunity to go back in time and have everyone that would be in the Twin Towers on 9-11, if you had them all together on September the 10th in a room and they knew that you were a minister, the message that you had planned, would you change your message if you knew what was going to happen the next day? Well, that's the message that we should be sharing to the world, everyone that we come in contact right now, knowing that they could be one of the 100 to 200,000 people that, that are projected not to make it. I'm using that as a, a form knowing the Lord can, the Lord's going to come back anytime. But this is projected that up to 200,000 people, the Lord has put these people in front of us every single day. We don't know who we're going to come in contact with, but the same way with Jonah, if the Lord gives us a word, the Lord tells us to do something and we do not do it, we will be held accountable for it. And if the message that you would minister to the people the day before 9-11 wouldn't be a warning message because you knew what was going to happen, what we're seeing happen before us, the Lord is revealing to us that this is the end times. And he is telling us the way that he told Jonah, tell my people to repent. Tell my people that I'm coming back. Tell my people that the end is nigh. Not with a scare tactic. A scare tactic telling someone to get saved because they're going to go to hell. That's a temporary fix. That is something that will get someone to to tell the Lord that they're sorry and, and give their heart to the Lord for a week or two. But whenever that fear goes off, they're going to go back to what they used to. For years, that's what I've always been. I've always been told. You hear messages of an old that's that's preached on what they call hellfire, preaching that hell is hot and, and and hell is real and the fire is real and it is. It's true, but don't let your salvation be based upon that you're getting saved because you just don't want to go to hell, because God has got so much more for you than just to to skip out of of, of hell than just a free ticket to heaven. God is so great. His mercy is so strong. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he has so much in store for you that that's the that's what the Lord is is speaking to us. He's screaming for us. He's screaming for our attention the way that he was screaming for the attention of Jonah to be uh to be his his mouthpiece at this time. So we'll leave you with that. Um Thank you for uh, for listening, and we're going to try to come again and and share some word during this time. I don't know if it's going to be um, that often. We're going to do what we can when the Lord gives us uh, messages to uh, to be able to be an encouragement to everyone that listens. So, be blessed.